Welcome to the Underrepresented in Tech podcast, hosted by Michelle Frechette and Ali Nimmons. Underrepresented in Tech is a free database built with the goal of helping people find new opportunities in WordPress and tech overall. Hi, Ali. Hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm good. When we miss a week, because of whatever reason, travel or sickness or whatever, I actually miss saying that to you. Yeah. Like, hi, Ali. I know. It's it so always feels like, like it. A, it feels like a little bit more special because I haven't heard it in a while. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad you're feeling better. Yes. Good to see you. Still have a little cough, but I'm definitely feeling better than I was last time we recorded. That was like the first few days of my cold and it was just yeah. like, Ugh, I was dying. I feel better. <laughs> you now. were muting yourself more than you were actually talking because yeah. you had to come cover the cough with that mute button. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'll t- and I'll try to keep that up this time. But um, okay. yeah, definitely feeling better. <laughs> good, good, good. Well, I was thinking about things this week. So I I traveled this weekend. I've traveled a lot this year. You know, I've traveled to a bunch of different word camps. I've traveled for family uh, last year too for you know various reasons. And I got to thinking about how and. and for other reasons too, and I'm going to talk about all of it, but how expensive it is to be a disabled person and how privileged I am to be in a position to be able to pay for the things that I need. Because for example, wheelchairs and scooters and mobility devices aren't always covered by insurance. And so if it's not, that's an expense, right? So the scooter that I've been using, that people have seen me around at WordCamps, et cetera, I got that on Facebook Marketplace. It was used, I think I paid $200, $250 for it. I have got my money's worth out of that thing for sure. But I need something that's a little more robust. It doesn't like to do hills, you know, things like that. So I'm actually looking to purchase a new scooter soon. And I don't want to just get another used one on Facebook Marketplace because it'll, you know, do what it does. But to buy a new one is like three, four, five thousand dollars. They could be up to fifteen thousand dollars. Now I'm not gonna buy a fifteen thousand dollar scooter, but it's gonna be several thousand dollars. And I have the money, you know, I have some money for my dad's estate, that kind of thing. I'm not asking for handouts, but I'm just putting it out there that it is an expense that people don't always think about. Everybody assumes that insurance is gonna cover everything, and that isn't always the case. Uh, my cane broke recently and I had to buy a new cane. Is a cane expensive? No, but it's 20 bucks, another 20 bucks through Amazon, those kinds of things. And I can't just go grocery shopping by myself because I need to grocery shop seated. Then I need to get the groceries from the cart into the car, from the car into my house and put away. And that's not something I'm able to do. So Thank goodness that we have all these things like Instacart, where I can order groceries online. By the way, there's no impulse buying when you order your groceries online, um, but order my groceries online and there's an upcharge always, right? So the same, what, what the price is on the shelf is not what the price is in Instacart. And then there's the delivery fee. And then there's a, a tip, right? So like, I'm not going to be the person that doesn't tip somebody for doing my groceries. Of course I am. And I only order my groceries maybe every three to four weeks. So it's a big grocery order. And I, the tip is a minimum 50 bucks, right? So I'm paying somebody else to do my grocery shopping for me, which other able-bodied people don't, they could do that for convenience, but they don't have to, right? So there's more fees that I'm paying as a disabled person. Um, I'm a plus size person. So if I want to fly on most airlines, I either have to spill over into the seat next to me and be an inconvenience to both me and the person next to me, or purchase two seats or upgrade to a higher level. That, again, is another expense. And so all of the things that come with being a disabled person 
are inherently more expensive. And I, I pay somebody to clean my house because I can't get down on my hands and knees. I can't sweep and vacuum and some of those other things. And so I am now paying somebody, you know, every other week to come in and clean my house. And that's another expense. So being disabled is not an inexpensive venture. And not everybody is in a privileged position to have the kind of job that I do to be able to afford those things. So I just wanted to kind of bring that out. And then I got to thinking, and we did talk a little bit, we try not to talk too much before the show. I think people know that because we want our conversations to be not the second time we've had them. <laughs> but <laughs> but I got to thinking that it's not just disabled people that have this kind of um, taxation on them for doing that. And so you br you brought up a couple other things that we could dive into as well. But I did want to bring that up kind of as a topic. What do you think? Yeah, totally. And, you know, I want to preface this conversation too, because I know where you're coming from and I can reach the point that we're trying to make, right? And I feel like some, pe some other people might not be able to. This is not us sitting and complaining to be like, oh, no. it's so expensive to be a minority it's so expensive to be underrepresented please feel bad for us blah 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 what we're yeah. trying to to explain is that there are barriers for certain people that you may not know about because you're not in that position and those barriers can create additional challenges so when michelle says it it costs to be disabled that also means that you know to make an assumption about, you know, if Michelle says, oh, I was going to go do that thing, but I can't afford to, that doesn't mean that, oh, Michelle doesn't, you know, that's not a space for you to make a judgment about how Michelle decides to spend her money or how much she's paid. Right. That is an opportunity for you to acknowledge that there's a challenge here, right? Mm -hmm. It's an opportunity for you to acknowledge that in a lot of the cases that we're going to talk about, the world has been built intentionally to make things more difficult for people for various reasons. Um, a lot of this is is sort of pointing out injustices of, well, why is it more expensive, right? Like that's what I wanna mm -hmm. get down to. And that's what I want people to yeah. come away with is why is it this way? Why does it have to be this way? How can I, as somebody who doesn't deal with this, is there a way that I can help things to not be this way for other people, right? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to preface by saying that because I think a lot of people um, might come at this the wrong way and I don't want. Yeah, uh, no, for I sure. I, I I mostly think about it as a insight into other people's lives. Yeah. And so it's easier to have an understanding mm -hmm. about what other people experience in their lives if somebody has allowed you to, to glimpse into some yeah. of those things. And that's kind of the reason I bring it up for sure. Yeah. And when we talk about, you know, we've talked a lot before mm -hmm. about underrepresented people having like a higher emotional and mental tax on them a lot of the time a lot of times we are more tired we are just more run down um we don't have the energy we don't have the spoons right to jump through all of the hoops that people might set up for us when we're talking about things like hiring or filling out applications or all these things and part of that mm -hmm. is like you're thinking about all of these other challenges that you have to deal with of like, well, I have to make sure I have enough money to do the things that I need to do. Cause you said this before, and I think it bears reiterating um, the things that we're talking about. These aren't choices, right? Like no, 
it, like I, when Michelle started talking about this before we started talking, before we started recording rather, I immediately thought about what people call the pink tax. And it's mm-hmm. the idea that things out in the world that women need to buy that have quote unquote male equivalents are typically more expensive. And right. I think about razors. I think about like um, hygiene products. I mean, the f- <laughs> the fact that like essential things like pads and tampons and other feminine products are so expensive and so heavily taxed and so marked up, mm-hmm. um, even though those are you know, those aren't optional. Those aren't for fun. They're not luxury items. They are healthcare. They are medically like necessary. You can get Mm -hmm. massively serious infections and, and, you know, get really sick if you're not taking care of things in that way. Right. So the fact that those things that are targeted at women are so much, even pens. I remember a couple of years ago, there was that whole big meme about like Bic was selling pink pens for, for more money for women that were more expensive and they were smaller. <laughs> that was like a selling point is they were smaller for our little feminine lady hands. So it's like, you're trying to charge me more money for a product that is less of a product. Like, right. You use less material to make this, but because it's pink, you're charging me like 5% more or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. So on average, in a lot of these ways, women have to spend more money on the things that they need than men do, or sometimes the things that they want than men do, right? Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's ridiculous. Um, and I'm sure there are all sorts of theories, marketing-wise, and, you know, why companies decide to do this. It makes mm-hmm. me wonder if, like, in a lot of cases, and this is this is an assumption, um, if in a lot of cases, maybe the woman in the family is the one going out and doing the shopping. Mm -hmm. And so if she sees the things that appeal to her, she might grab that thing instead of whatever the other thing is. All I know is I buy men's razors because they are, they (laughs) work better and they work. Yeah. (laughs) And they work. Right. Um, I also think about how in America, I can really only speak for, for this country. It is more expensive to be black. Um, Mm -hmm. And I found an article, I'll put it in our show notes, um, on a website called the internationalmonetaryfund.org, which I'd never heard of this website before, but it's really interesting. And they have an article where they talk about the cost of racism over the course of the history of this country um, and how so many very specific decisions were made and are still being made in order to minimize the amount of wealth and generational wealth in particular that Black Americans can accumulate. So for example, mm-hmm. um, the benefit, the benefits, the benefits <laughs> of the post-World War II GI Bill were mostly denied to Black people in order to enforce racial segre- segregation. Mm-hmm. Um, redlining, which is a concept where um, basically Federal Housing Administration had a policy that refused to insure mortgages to black neighborhoods. Um, so basically for a long time, if you were black, like you just could not buy a house. Um, mm-hmm. And it shut black Americans out of living in a lot of the more common areas where <clears throat> um, wealthy people lived. So even if you were mm-hmm. a wealthy black American, you just could not, they wouldn't accept right you know, your, your application for a mortgage. Um, and a lot of these things play into 
the black white wealth gap that exists i mean there are things like um education the fact that black children were intentionally poorly educated and put into worser schools. Um, And so they have fewer things like financial literacy to be able to build their own wealth. Um, Mm -hmm. And this, according to this article, there was a report in 2019 um, that revealed that on average, black families have 10 times less wealth than the average white family. Wow. And, you know, to have less wealth means a lot of things, right? Part of what that means, and I I read this recently, I was telling Michelle about it before, I read recently about the concept of it is more expensive to be poor than it is to be rich, which kind Mm -hmm. of doesn't make sense on its face, right? But the example that they used, which really helped me to understand it, is that If you do like manual labor for your job and for your job, you need like really good boots, Um, maybe a really, really good pair of like work boots costs $100 and -hmm. you don't have $100 to spare. You don't make a lot of money. You don't have generational wealth. You don't have that money to spare. So you have to buy like $25 boots, which will get you to where you have to go, but in a couple months, those boots fall apart. So now you have to buy another pair of boots. So if that $100 pair of boots could have lasted you a good two, three years, that means that in that two or three years, you spent $100 on boots. For the poor person who has to spend $100 a year on boots, right? Like there's a disparity there in how much Mm -hmm. you have to to spend, um, which is a fine, a fascinating financial concept to me that I never thought mm-hmm. about before. And, you know, I don't have any numbers in front of me, but typically on average, underrepresented people, disabled people, um, women, people of color, queer people make less money, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're paid less. We are often not hired as frequently at really well-paying companies or well-paying jobs. We have a harder time finding work. So we spend more time unemployed, ranking up debt, ranking up, you know, overdraft fees and so on. And Mm -hmm. so when you look at it from that kind of macro lens, um, unfortunately, there is a correlation between being poorer and being underrepresented, even though those two things are not... uh, being underrepresented doesn't automatically mean you are poor. Right. Um, but there is a correlation in a lot of respects. There is a correlation in a lot of respects. And it is more expensive to yeah. be poor. Here's the here's the other thing. So good food, as in healthy food, is more expensive typically as well. So if somebody has to make their money stretch for food, they're not buying as if in order to make to buy more food, they have to buy lower quality, less healthy food, which means that then they're also not eating healthy for themselves. So it will over time cause more health issues, which then brings also more expenses, especially if they're in low paying jobs without health insurance, which is why we see people from lower economic areas in the emergency rooms because they can't afford to go to a doctor. And emergency rooms aren't allowed to turn you away. So the the whole system is broken in so many ways. Yeah. 
Absolutely. It just really is. The medical part of things is a whole other side. I mean, I grew up, this is, I find it funny now. And like, if you're listening, you are allowed to laugh, even though sometimes I tell people this and they're like, ooh, Um, when I was young, whenever my mom and I moved somewhere new, which we moved a fair amount when I was a kid, um, whenever we moved somewhere, because we were, as a child, we never had health insurance. I didn't go to like regular mm-hmm. doctor's appointments unless something was really wrong. Um, we, I would go to the dentist. I had regular dentist appointments, but like I wasn't getting like checkups or whatever. Mm-hmm. So every time we moved somewhere new, my mom would sit me down and she would say, okay, you cannot get sick and you cannot get hurt because mommy, I don't know where, mommy doesn't know where the, the hospital is in this neighborhood. So if you get sick or you get hurt, I'm not going to know where to take you. And my little six-year-old brain, I'm like, oh my God, okay, I have to be really careful, right? Right. (laughs) So, and that was her way of like, you know, trying to not necessarily like make it fun, but like not scare me necessarily. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And not have to tell me like, hey, I can't afford if you get sick, right? Like that's kind of heavy for a child. But I always knew that we didn't have that kind of access And in her mind, she was like, you know, if you break your leg, I will be in debt forever. So you cannot do that. Right. So I was a very careful, I'm going to sit inside and read a book sort of a kid rather than (laughs) I'm going to go outside and ride my bike sort of a kid because I was scared. Right. Um, Yeah. So all of these things compound and they affect. And I mean, there's a long history in America with Black people and the medical community. It -hmm. is a thing that Black people are afraid to go to the doctor there's an inherent sort of mistrust of like western medicine it's very strange um and there's a we could do a whole podcast just on that um but you're right that means that over time things compound and Mm -hmm. so instead of you know like I I had a friend recently who he's in his 60s and people had been telling him for a really long time that they probably thought he was pre-diabetic and that he should go to the doctor. And he always had all kinds of reasons for not wanting to go. And he mm-hmm. recently ended up in the hospital and now can't really take care of himself anymore because mm-hmm. the diabetes got to such a point that it has completely like ravaged his body. And so much of that sort of a thing, because now it's like he has to find all of this money to take care of himself. Whereas you'd like to think that if it had, if there had, if he had had money for preemptive measures, he now wouldn't be in this situation. Right. Um, Right. And it's hard to talk about this stuff because it's not a hundred percent, right? We can't look at it and say every single black person experiences this or every single disabled person experiences this, but the correlations and the patterns are so strong. Um, and are very uncomfortable yeah. to talk about. People don't like talking about it. And so it doesn't really mm-hmm. get fixed or addressed or, you know. I, I think a lot of people, especially white people, won't know this. I just sent you a link that we can include later. But it was, I believe, well into the 1970s that doctors, and there, there are still some doctors that think that Black people experience pain differently or don't experience pain. 
compared to white people. Um, this is a Harvard a Harvard review um, that I just sent you that like there were beliefs that black people had thicker skin, so it, it didn't hurt as much. Um, that because their skin was darker, they couldn't burn. You know, those kinds of things. Like the, I remember when my daughter was little, the first time she got a sunburn, she didn't, she was like, she had not grown up getting sunburned like I did. She came to be like seven years old and she's like, why does my skin hurt? Right. Because her and I was a good mom. I put sunscreen on her, but kids sweat it off and they swim. So like, just to be fair, don't come at me. But I <laughs> I, I, I knew it. I knew enough to put a little, you, little you white kids get sunburns all the time. Right. And but I, I, I did put sunscreen on her. I was not mm-hmm. one of those people that, oh, she can't burn. But she was just like dumbfounded. And I was like, it's taken her this long to get sunburned. I can understand to some degree. I'm not not justifying it. Why some people would think, well, you know, you you have more melanin, so you can't get sunburned. So therefore, maybe you don't get burned at all. I'm not saying I agree with it. But I, I can understand sometimes where some of those notions would come from, considering it took her seven years to ever get a sunburn. But the fact that medical professionals felt that way and believed that way, and that's why we have, and that's one of the reasons, there's so many reasons, there's so much more um, uh, maternity mortality for black women than it is for white women. More black women die in childbirth than white women. And it's because of this differential in how we treat people of different ethnicities and of different abilities and different underrepresented statuses. And there is so much taxation. It's not just what money I pay a person to go do my grocery shopping for me through Instacart. It's a whole systemic thing that permeates so many different levels of, and so many different groups in uh, underrepresented groups that I think that people who have privilege don't ever even think about. And I just really wanted to bring up the topic today just to like, I want it on people's radar. I want people to think about things like that, that when you ask somebody to do something, are you asking them to do it from your you know, your position of privilege, expecting that they have the same tools and resources that you do? Or maybe to think about the fact that not everybody has the same set of tools and resources that you do because you are in a better place of privilege than they might be. It doesn't mean they're not capable, but it also doesn't mean that they have all the tools and resources to accomplish it. Yeah, it's definitely something to think about um, in in so many aspects of our lives, right? Like I remember being in high school and I went to a magnet school that was situated, happened to be situated in a very low income, uh, predominantly black community. And so it was strange because the surrounding areas and the surrounding schools were worse schools, higher black population. My school, a lot of my classmates were would drive like 40 minutes every day from the white part of town, better part of town to come to this magnet school. And so I remember being in high school and all of my friends that came from Weston would like, you know, after school on the weekends, they would want to go out and like go to the mall or go to the movies or whatever. And there was always a section of like haves and have nots. And it was always very visually clear of who had Mm -hmm. and who had not. And it's like, I think about, you know, potentially being a parent in the future. And, you know, this is not, we talk a lot on, on this podcast about professional topics, work topics, how things apply to the workplace and so on. But this is such a universal thing that it applies to kids. Like I think about potentially having kids in the future and having to 
deal with this for them if they are dark skinned or if they are a girl or, you know, if they are disabled, having to explain to them that, yeah, your life is going to cost a little bit more, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's just something that you're going to have to understand and hopefully other people will have some understanding um, that or you might just have to explain to your friends in high school why you can't afford to go to the movies every single weekend, you know? Yeah, yeah, It's such a strange part of life. It sure is. So I guess the whole point is not, I don't want anybody to feel guilty. It's not about that. It's not about feeling, you know, pity or sorrow for other people. I don't want you to feel sorry for me um, just because I have to be a little more creative in the way that I get things done. Um, It's just about raising awareness and other people thinking about what they ask of others and making sure that they kind of check their privilege at the door to make sure that what they're asking from others is something that they have the resources to do. Yeah. Ooh, it's another, I was thinking today about the whole, I don't see race thing. Oh yeah. I remember that right? conversation. <laughs> yeah. And um, this is another reason why deciding to not see race is harmful because you're, yeah you're choosing to overlook one of the many challenges that, you know, and I mean, the whole, I don't see race can account for, I don't see gender. I don't see ability. I don't see whatever. I just Absolutely. see the person. And it's like, well, right. that person has a lot of challenges and you should acknowledge those challenges and act accordingly you know um absolutely yeah 100 totally totally this is this was oh. a really good topic thank you for thank you for the idea <laughs> my pleasure well i was listening to our most recent um uh webinar and it was on disability and so i was listening to that yesterday um when we published it and thinking about some of the things that people brought up there and the needs that they have which got me thinking about needs in my own life which kind of brought it all full circle to today so if you haven't checked that out yet go to our website and give that webinar um, a listen and it's the one with uh, um, understanding people with disabilities in technology yeah i just butchered the two. name but, but you'll find it <laughs> yeah you'll find it came out yesterday it's episode two i'll put that in the show notes as well for a, for a quick link um awesome but yeah thank you so much for listening um yeah, we'll see another you. great week and we'll see you next week bye This episode was sponsored by the following companies. The Blogsmith. The Blogsmith is a holistic content marketing agency for B2B technology brands that creates data-driven content with a great reader experience. Visit theblogsmith.com to learn more. Thank you so much to our sponsors for this episode. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode, using our database, or just want to say hi, go to underrepresentedintech.com. See you next week.